1: Welcome to The Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, January 15th. It is full-on 2020, the tennis season underway at every level you look. From the juniors, the college ranks, the challengers, the ATP and WTA, you can find events everywhere throughout the world. That is part of what makes tennis so fun is that once the season gets going, it really doesn't stop. So nonstop tennis all the way through November, and that's what we'll be covering here at the mini break. As you listeners will well be well aware of, we have been doing our college contender series once a week, looking at the top 10 teams from the end of the 2019 season, previewing how they're going to look for this upcoming men's 2020 dual match calendar year and we're on our last team crazy to say that 10 up 10 down final team to go the year end number one joining me to break down that team you know him as a writer from our website cracktrackets.com the co-host of the usual wednesday mini break podcast with jamie mcdonald i affectionately refer to him as matt the cracks to koak maddie welcome back to the mini break pod
2: Hey, man, thank you. It's uh, definitely a little bittersweet that we're on number 10 here, the final one of the year, but uh, I'm ready, man. We got one last rodeo here, and uh, I think you know why I said rodeo.
1: (laughs) that's called the subtle tease in the podcast business i like that it is bittersweet bitter in that i won't get to have a weekly conversation with one of the top men's college coaches in the country anymore but sweet because it means the start of the college tennis season is upon us and no one follows follows the college tennis season more closely than the third member of our preview panel the forefather of the college tennis ranks, uh, formula predictions never far from the listed UTR and one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames. It's weird not to be doing this sitting next to him, but Chris Hallioris, welcome back to the Mini Break Pod.
3: Oh, hey, glad to be here, Alex. You know, it's kind of depressing now to know after having sat next to you that you don't even need a cue sheet for that intro anymore. <laughs> I don't know if that's
1: more depressing for me or you, Chris. Yeah.
3: <laughs> this is true. I guess I should feel I should feel honored that you have my intro in <laughs> you know next just memorized
1: by heart locked in of course and you listeners are also well aware that as part of this preview series we have had the chance to sit down with all of these head coaches of the teams we've talked about on our cracked interviews podcast you can do that for today's team as well and it's always fun when you get to talk about the defending national champions before we kick that off west off give me a college contender sound effect so matt That's it. We're on the preseason number one team, or I should say the year-end number one team preseason rankings we discussed last week, Florida hopping into that number one spot, but the team they're going to take on as of the day you are listening to this podcast, Chris uh, and Matt and all of our listeners, the number one team to end last year, the national championship winning team, the University of Texas Men's Tennis Longhorns, and that's the place to start, Matt, right? This team coming off of a national title.
2: Yeah. I mean, obviously, anytime you win the last match of the year, that's that's what everybody shoots for. So it went as well as it possibly could have been. you know, remember, guys, the adversity that this team kind of had to go through throughout the entire season, obviously, um, you know, with what happened to Coach Center, you know, we're not going to get into that here. Not the time and place. But um, I think our listeners are, are well aware of what happened in that situation. But Coach Burke takes over. Um, And these guys had a phenomenal year, really, all the way through. I mean, it wasn't just the run in the NCAA tournament. Um, They only lost three times all year. You know, one of those being to Ohio State at the national team indoors. You know, not a bad loss there. Obviously, Ohio State wins that event, and they're phenomenal indoors. So, you know, they took a bit of a beating there, but, you know, they come back strong. Uh, Did drop one at home to USC um, in another match uh, in late – uh, March prior to Big 12 play, but um, you know again they they go five and zero in the conference. They do suffer one more setback uh, to Baylor in the finals of the Big 12 tournament, but then obviously with the uh, you know the run that they had at NCAA's, it couldn't have ended any better. Sixteen and one at home, you know they were phenomenal, really good on the road as well with a perfect six and zero record. So you know when you think about it with this team. Um, we knew they were talented. You know, prior to last year, we, we talked about it. We knew this was going to be a really good team. But I don't think any of us really had Texas as the national champion squad. Um, and especially with all that adversity that they went through, I just I, I think it was awesome. And, and you know, it, it worked out perfectly.
1: Before I kick to you, Chris, for your thoughts on their run to the title, I know you said we don't want to talk about it, and we don't have to go too far in depth to re-adjudicate what happened to Coach Michael Center, but that is one hundred percent part of the narrative of this twenty nineteen Longhorn team. That on March twelfth, I think they were fourteen and one. It's a team that had four seniors in the lineup: Banzer, Tellis, uh, Marks, and uh, I'm forgetting Harrison one. Scott. And, and Harrison Scott. Thank you. And that the group, you know, you lose. Your head coach to this uh, pay-for-play, we'll affectionately call it scandal, where you know their coach lets someone on to the roster for a little bit of side money. He is in his own world of troubles, and as you mentioned, Michael Center isn't the story, but it's the perseverance of these Texas men's tennis Longhorns. The fact that you know they're fourteen and one at that point of the year. They did suffer two more setbacks. They lose to USC, and they end up losing, uh, as you mentioned, in that Big Twelve title run. But once they hit the the NCAA tournament, I mean, this is a team that took off. They lost the doubles point, need I remind you, in that final against defending champion Wake Forest. And true, you know, context matters. Born a Gojo, had played two three-set matches in the two matches prior. He was gassed. Petros Frisokos, same deal. I mean, they've been relying on Gojo and Frisokos for the better part of three years. That sort of tennis, that sort of stress adds up. And those guys were certainly on their last fumes by the time they hit that NCAA aa final, but to get wins from Siskard, to have Ito clinch over Frisokos, get wins from the bottom of your lineup as well for Coach Burke, and I talked about this in our The Crack Interviews podcast that will come out today as well, I mean, to make the decision where You know, Chi-Chi Huang and Ida were working as a doubles team, but Chi-Chi Huang had started to struggle at the six singles position, so to bring back the senior Rodrigo Banzer, it paid off, and they end up getting wins from the six singles flight against TCU in the quarterfinals, against Florida in the semis, and then against Wake in the finals. Chris, it's a testament to this team, and last year was really a toss-up. Florida probably, I mean, as we learned, a year too young. Uh, Ohio State, as good as they were through the indoor portion of the year, outdoor was always something different. UNC, you could argue, just too banged up from start to finish to get the job done. This was the team that had the perfect combination of health, of veteran experience, and ultimately, guys in Siskard and Ito, Ito in particular, who we've seen this season, emerges two top 10 players. And even when you don't win doubles, Chris, that's the recipe that got them there. This was a really good Texas team.
3: Yeah, and Ito really—I mean, Ito real coming on made a huge, huge difference for them. Uh, and like you said, not you know, granted they were a top team, but they were still kind of the sleeper of those top teams, right? They that that really surprised everybody. Every as they kept going on, we kept thinking, now nah, they're not going to win, they're, you know, they're not going to beat Florida, they're not going to beat Wake Forest, and you know, and they just picked them off one at a time. But yeah, they, I mean, really impressive stuff from the top of the lineup. Really good decisions down at the bottom of the lineup, like you had mentioned, and and getting Banzer back in there. Uh, So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out this year.
1: Yeah, and you look again at the stats for this team last year, how much— uh, the seniors were contributing just in terms of wins. I mean, bands are twenty-five and nine overall in singles, fourteen and three during the dual match year, twelve and three from that six singles position. I mean, Yuya Ito twenty-eight and three during the dual match season, twenty-seven and three at two. Uh, Harrison's uh, Ito, excuse me, not a senior. I don't know why I threw him in there. That number just jumped out to me, but ignore that, listeners. Uh, Westoff, can I get a little rewind sound effect there, please? Uh, so to get back to the seniors, you look at what they did, I mean, you continue on Colin Marks 19 and 4 in the dual match season Harrison Scott 19 and 5 Leo Tellis 14 and 5 in terms of doubles teams they're going to lose their two doubles who weren't good but they were allowed it's a spot filler you know you lose the team of Marks and Tellis Huang and Ito we've seen split up already this fall in favor of Sisgard and Ito Chi Chi Huang playing uh, with one of the freshmen and of course you lose at the top of the line of Harrison Scott who went 15 and 7 with Christian Sisgard Matt this the good news for Bruce Burke, he loses all of that, and yet you look at the roster. I mean, there's a reason tennis recruiting made this the number one recruiting class for 2019, because Bruce Burke, he reloaded pretty quickly.
2: Yeah, he he reloaded, and he had to, Alex, because look, I mean, those guys that you just mentioned, that was like an entire, like I don't want to say era of Texas tennis, but that was like the core for a long time. I mean... Tellison Banzer, you know, you think about those guys. It seems like they've been around for a while. Harrison Scott as well. Um, obviously Colin Marks came on towards the end of his career and, and played really well for for the Longhorns. But yeah, I mean, Coach Burke had no choice but to reload and he had to do it now um, just because he didn't really have anybody left other than Sigsgard and Ito and, you know, to pull in that number one class. I mean, that's that's gonna pay dividends, obviously, right off the bat, and should keep them. Um, you know, towards the top of the rankings.
1: Yeah, and you look at the guys, they bring in uh, a bunch of freshmen, much of them, as Matt mentioned, well needed, and they're going to be counted on to contribute early. That's something Coach Burke uh, really emphasizes in our preview podcast. Guys like Jacob Bullard, uh, Cleve Harper, who's a redshirt freshman, but still his first year contributing, uh, even McDonald, Elliot Spaziri, and then CM waldeep who Top, I think number 53 right now in the ITA rankings, that's the freshman Coach Burke really centered on in terms of saying, hey, this is a guy we know we're going to need to contribute right away. Uh, you know, Chris, as you looked at the summer and fall results for not only those freshmen, but for Ito and Cisgard Ito putting together almost an undefeated fall, winning two national titles individually. Uh his only loss coming to Waldeep in that South Carolina invitational. What did you see from this Texas Texas roster this past summer fall that has you feeling, you know, about their chances has you feeling good or bad about their chances to repeat?
3: Well obviously Ito was just, I mean, phenomenal. Uh you know, that's you you couldn't have a much better fall than he had. So so obviously, we expect to see some some good things from him. Uh, the you know the freshman that kind of jumped up, yeah. I think Waldy looked outstanding, and and I think that's a that's a big plus for them. Uh, they're going to look for production from him. I expect to see him playing up in the you know in the the mid to high end of the lineup. I mean, so as I, I think that's that's going to be necessary uh, with what they've got this year. So I, I mean, th- those are the two big. The big standouts for me, um, Spazieri's a you know a latecomer, so uh, haven't gotten to see so much of him yet. We'll we'll see what he you know what he can do, and I'm sure we're going to get to see a good test for him uh, against Florida today. Uh, and you know, we'll it'll be the first tell of, of what these lineups look like.
1: Yeah, and when in talking to Coach Burke, uh, he I, I did ask him. I'm like, "What are, can I get a little sneak peek of what we're going to see tomorrow?" It does sound like Ito's going to be lining up at one, Sisgard at two, Wall Deep at three. And then yeah. the rest really up in the air thus far. We'll get into the projected lineup later. But I want to throw a theory by you, Matt. And, and it's on the things that we do know in Ito and Sisgard playing the one and two positions. Uh, these are two guys who have been in the top 10 of the ITA rankings before. I think Sisgard right now a little bit outside of that at like number 12 or 13. Um, but for Ito, yeah, Sisgard number 13. Ito number two in the country We saw last year what Wake Forest was able to do riding, you know, Gojo's one point at one, Risoko's a lock at two. Botzer, we're fairly certain we'll get the job done at three, and then we really just have to find a fourth point, and they made the finals of the National Indoors, they made the finals uh, of the NCAA tournament, uh, and that, w- I mean, they had other guys step up, but that was essentially the recipe. My question to you, Matt, you look at the fall statistics thus far, Waldeep with that win over Ito, impressive, but only 10-7 and seven overall, now he's played tough matches to his credit, but... Do you see a recipe for this Texas team where Ito and Siskard are good enough and they just need that one more? Maybe it's Waldi at three, maybe it's Spaziri at four or five, Chi-Chi Huang at five or six, whatever it may be. Do you see a recipe where Sisgard and Ito have enough juice at the top of the lineup to carry this Longhorns team, even if any of those other guys step up to you know this, the heights that Hrisokos, Gojo, Batser were able to do last year for Wake?
2: Yes, I do. Look, these are two top 10 players. I know Sigsgard may not be in there right at the moment, but but he's a top 10 caliber player. So when you can line up those two, we've talked about it, you know, on, on prior college contenders podcasts, when you've got that one, two punch that can compete with absolutely anybody in the country. And, you know, you line up out there and you feel like you're most likely in almost every match, not all of them, but just about every match, you're going to win one and two. Then you know you've just got to find a couple more matches, and that could come from doubles. That could come from four, five, six. You know that could come from a guy like Waldieb at three. Um, we don't know, but but to answer your question, yes, I think that has to be their formula. Um, there's no question that every match they play, you know, Coach Burke is going to be looking at Ito and Sigsgard to win up top at one and two, and then he's going to you know feel probably pretty good that, you know, a couple of the freshmen can come through in a big moment and, you know, they can win matches. But that that's that's really the only formula. Because if those guys are not playing well, um, you know, they don't really have a chance. You know, if, if they're relying on four, five, and six to win every single match, that will not work out. So it's got to come from one and two at the, at the start.
1: Chris, same question to you.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's possible. I think for the for the majority of the season, that will be. Ha- I mean, that is what's going to happen, right? I mean, they're just good enough that most of the matches that's going to get them through. The question is when it comes down to crunch time, and they're playing TCU or they're playing Baylor or they're playing Ohio State or they're playing Florida, right? Is it good enough then? Uh, and you know, it's. I don't. I don't think that it's going to be good enough just to have those two. They're going to need. You know, not just, oh, we'll get one more, we'll get doubles those two and one more, because when they play those teams, I don't think it's going to be a matter of, hey, we're, you know, counting on, we're getting those two. Right. Uh, I, I think I think it gets to the point where, no, now now you need you need to have more with it than that. And and so those other guys are going to have to step up.
1: I mean, I, I agree with both of you that any scenario uh, with Texas that has Texas having success this season comes behind a successful Edo and Sisgard up top. Um, but the reason I ask is because you look at the fall and summer results outside of Edo, seventeen and one in singles, Sisgard eleven and three. Them as a duo, ten and one in doubles. It was really a mixed bag for this team. You look at guys like Jacob Bullard, Chi Chi Huang, Cleve Harper, uh, Elliot Spaziri, who's a January edition, but even CM Waldeb and their records. I mean Bullard was nine and six, Harper seven and five, Huang six and seven, uh, even McDonald another freshman, seven and six, CM Waldeb ten and seven. You look at doubles pairings because they have to find new ones there as well. Uh, I, I did mention Chi-Chi Huang and Harper, according to Coach Burke. That team's going to start out together. They went 9-4 and four this fall, uh, but... I mean, I want to go to you here, Chris, and then I want to get your thoughts, Matt. But you're the guy, you know, predictions never far from the listed UTR. You look at the UTRs thus far because I think fall results-wise, things are fairly similar. How do you expect, at least at the start of the season, to see the, the Texas men's uh, singles lineup fare out?
3: Well, look, I think I, I think the top... To me, the top four are the top four, and then five through nine, you can throw them in a hat. Um, so... Uh, you know, we, we'll see Edo one, Sigsgard two. My hunch was with, like you said, that you probably got an, an, an intonation from Burke that we'll see Woldeeb at three, I, Spaziri at four, and then there's a big toss-up. I think based on just that he's been there and that he's played, the thought was even Chi-Chi could have seen four, might even see four, and based on you saying that, you, you know, after talking to Burke that, that it sounded like they had kind of a top three set. I would consider it a potential mini stack to play Wong at four. He's not playing great right now. I mean, look, they played a, they played an in a, you know, a hidden duel invitational down in Miami and he lost two of his three matches. He lost two and O to a kid from Miami. He lost in straight sets to a kid from Wisconsin uh, when everybody else on the team won in straights. Um, I don't see, you know, he's not in, he's not informed to be playing for. They could play him there. If they're playing a realistic lineup, I think we see Spaziri four. And then at, at this point, if I was playing to win tomorrow, it's probably Bullard and Harper. But my guess is he'll, uh, in a, in an effort to be playing for May and not for now, we'll probably see Chichi chi in there, you know, at, at five or six. And so whether it's Bullard and Chi-Chi or Harper and Chichi, chi I'm not sure. Um, but, But I think that's I think that's what we'll see. But it's not going to surprise me if for whatever reason, Chi Chi gets, you know, doesn't see him, doesn't see the court in in singles. But, you know, we'll see.
1: Yeah, no, that they play number one Florida tomorrow. Uh, What a blessing that is for us. Matt, same question to you. How do you initially at least see this line of uh, shaking out?
2: Yeah, so I like a lot of what Chris just said there. Obviously, I think it's got to be Edo one, Sigsgard two. Those two are, are going to be locked in. We know that. Three and four, I mean, I think Waldeeb and, and Spaziri are the guys that can fill those positions realistically. And, you know, probably at the start, we'll see Waldeeb, um, you know, with Spaziri at four is what I would guess. But I think over the long haul, Elliott Spaziri has a lot of junior, like, international experience. He played all four junior slams. This guy's really good. So I could see towards the, the latter part of the year, maybe those two flip-flop at three and four. But I think those are the guys to fill the middle of the lineup. And then, kind of like Chris said, I mean, it would be my assumption that Chi-Chi would, would fill in there at five or six, just because he's been there for a year. He's played in matches. He knows what it's about you know, the lineup is already so young that I would think that coach Burke would want a guy like Chi Chi to play five or six, just with that experience. But I I don't know. So my, my expectation would be, we'd see Chi Chi at five or six, and then probably Jacob Bullard would be that next guy to round out the top six with Cleve Harper, you know, shortly there behind at number seven. But again, like Chris mentioned, you know, maybe he pulls Chi Chi and then Bullard and Harper are in there at five and six. I wouldn't be shocked to see that. But if that is the case, <laughs> we're looking at spots three through six as all freshmen. And yes, they're very talented. I mean, it's the number one class. There's no doubt about it. These guys are going to be good. But man, I mean, to roll out, you know, Ito Sigsgard, you feel so good about that. And then, man, it's like freshman, 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 freshman. That is. That, that could be tough, especially against those top teams like Florida um, that they're going to be playing today.
1: And I think one of the things for this team is the mindset, even for the guys up top, it's so different during this season. Last year, they dropped seven doubles points, only three total losses. In those three losses, they happened to lose the doubles point. But like we said in that national final, they were able to come back because the thing they had more than anyone last year was was depth. One through six, you knew you were going to get a guy who, no matter whom he lined up against, was going to put forward a competitive performance. We talk about match calculus all the time, but Coach Burke made the point of after that final, you know, there was no scenario where we thought, okay, we'll lose the doubles point, but get wins at one and two from Sisgard and Ido over Gojo and Fri So he kind of throws that out at the beginning of the year. But yeah, this is a team that uh, not only has... A bunch of freshmen who are playing in their first matches, but they're not going to have time to figure things out. You look at their schedule, Chris, uh, and the, just, again, in terms of their experience, this they're losing guys who went round of 16 quarterfinals, round of 16 national champions the last four years, uh, so you can't replace that experience, but right away on their schedule, we talk about the match with Florida they have tomorrow, or today, excuse me, I suppose, when you're listening to this podcast, obviously, when you're playing the number one team, that's as good as it gets. They also go to Ohio State. They're playing Georgia at home, Stanford at home, at NC State. Columbia comes to town at USC. And then, of course, it's only a 16 Big 12 conference. And we've talked about Baylor already during this series. They bring in Brooksby, Soto, Boytan, uh, Sven La, all the talent they have on their roster. Chris's pet project this year, TCU, uh, how great they are. So, Chris, you look at this team, and they're going to have to figure things out quickly because, in terms of their strength of schedule, it's as good as it gets. And, you know, assuming I don't, you don't want to say they go undefeated during the Big 12 schedule, but they're at Baylor. You know, TCU comes to town. Let's say they lose one Big 12 match in terms of getting a top eight seed, avoiding. Of Florida and North Carolina as long as possible in the draw. I mean, this team's going to have to come out of the gates hot if they want to you know, maintain, ensure themselves at top eight seed, right?
3: Uh, I mean, mate, probably, but I don't know if they have to really come out all that hot. I mean, yeah, I mean, so, so what if you lose to Florida? They're going to be a top five team. You're not going to, you don't lose any points there. They lose to Ohio State, let's say. They're top five or top 10, one of the two, you know, and... So you don't really lose points. I mean, there's no penalty really in losing to a top 10 team. So play them all you want. It's the, the ones that start to hurt are when you're losing to the, you know, number 20 or, you know, those kinds of matches, though, then those, those start to get you. But, you know, if they're losing to these top guys, eh, not, not a big deal. What they do at indoors now could, could matter because then, you know, you don't, you don't know who you're going to play there, but, yeah like you said that and they've got a little time I mean obviously they play Florida today that's a big match then you know they should be fine through the kickoff weekend but then like you said before indoors they get Ohio State and Georgia those will both be tough matches and they just played Georgia in that hidden duel uh and you know they split three of the top 6 singles so that that looks like it could be good they'll still I would still say they have probably the advantage there were a couple matches there they probably shouldn't have lost but uh, but they could easily lose that match. Uh, uh, and, you know, th- those two matches. So you've got Florida, Ohio State and Georgia all prior to indoors. And then you go to indoors and you're going to get three matches, four if you make the final. Right. Um, so, yeah, they're gonna, there's a lot of opportunity to lose matches in there. So uh, but they still get plenty of opportunity to win some as well. I mean, it's like we've said with all of these teams, you get a couple of those wins over top 10 teams. You're sitting pretty good. If you come out on the on the losing end of all of those matches, it's not that the it's not so much that losing to them hurts you. Not beating them hurts you because now you don't have the big points in your totals. Not much of a deduction for losing, but the opportunity cost that you've lost by not beating them is huge.
1: And Matt, you look at this team tested early and often we'll definitely know all we need to know about them come May, but how do you expect them to fare in the early season and then, you know, ultimately how do you expect them to fare in that Big 12 conference play?
2: Yeah, I think there's gonna be some growing pains in the beginning. I I really do. I I mean we've talked about the schedule. It's it's gonna be a tough schedule. Those three matches we mentioned prior to indoors and obviously at National Indoors I'm expecting some losses. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Right now, I'd favor Florida uh, to win today. I'm going to favor Ohio State in Columbus, of course. Um, You know, the Georgia match, I I think Texas can win that one. That's in Austin. But then I think they're going to lose again at indoors for sure. So um, they're going to take some lumps. There's no doubt about it. They're too young of a team. They're not just going to start, you know, right off the bat. They're not going to be hot and and blow through all these teams. I just don't see that happening. Um, but as we go through the schedule, like Chris mentioned, they're going to have some opportunities for some good wins. And I think they're going to get some of those. When you look at the big 12, you know, the match that sticks out to me most is just at Baylor, right? I mean, Baylor is so good in Waco. I just, with, with this Texas team kind of starting a new generation here. I mean, these freshmen that we've been talking about, this is, you know, going to be the core of Texas tennis in that program for the next several years. So, um I just I think Baylor is my team in the Big 12. They're they're my favorite to win it and I've got Texas coming in behind them at number 2. And again, I hate to do this to TCU cuz it seems like every year I'm a little disrespectful to TCU and I I I know it in my head. I'm like, why do I keep doing this? But <laughs> I just I like Texas at 1 and 2 like Edo Sigsgard to me. They're so good, and I just like them compared to TCU's 1 and 2. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm going to put Texas ahead of TCU in the Big 12, so I've got it going Baylor 1, Texas 2, TCU 3. That's how I see it.
1: I think Coach Boland is going to be thrilled, Matt, to learn that you are on his team's bandwagon this year. He has choice words for you when you pick against him, so I know he'll be relieved to hear that, but Chris— you. <laughs> Just, I mean, both of you guys, listen to this month stretch they have starting March 14th. It's number 19, Columbia at home, at USC, Harvard at home, at number 24, San Diego, uh, home for number 22, Oklahoma, home for number 15, Oklahoma State, at Baylor, at Texas Tech, where it's windy, you never know what's going to happen at Texas Tech. Then they conclude their regular season versus number 8, TCU. That's as tough of a stretch as you're going to find, Chris, and that's when we really will learn, uh, as I said on the play-by-play, that's nut-crunching time for this team. That's when we're going to learn what they're uh, what they're capable of. So in terms of, I guess for you, not only the Big 12 power rankings, you like to do the Texas power rankings, A&M, TCU, Baylor, them. I think you have all four of those above Corpus Christi, but I suppose if I'm wrong, you can correct me there. Uh, but what, <laughs> how, how are you feeling about this Texas team heading into the regular season?
3: Oh, man, I you left out Rio Grande Valley. <laughs> huh um and UTSA and Arlington geez uh but yeah no I uh yeah look I with I think it's a to me I still put I've still got a three a three team race for the big 12 right with Baylor Texas TCU I mean I think those three yes when the rankings came out Oklahoma Oklahoma State are ranked, making Texas Tech the only unranked team in the Big Twelve, right? And they do; um, they have to go to Texas Tech and play. And it's and yeah, I know it's never easy to play at Texas Tech. It's that's a hard place to play in Lubbock. But they're not going to lose that match. Um, but I, I still think, for my money, until I see something out of all of these freshmen that I think they're going to have to play, or a or a big step up. From Chi Chi Wong, I've still got him third in the Big Twelve. I, I still like Baylor and TCU both uh in front of them in the Big Twelve and if and and if they were playing AM, which they're not, uh, and I was putting them there, I would probably have AM in front of them as well.
1: So this is interesting to me because correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, I believe Spiziri was a January edition, and I'm I'm fairly confident you talked about how important that addition would be. What yeah. is it about this team that you still think they're just a little short on? Is it the freshmen? It's simply you haven't seen them play?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, so for one, you know, well, what's really got me worried is the, is the play of Chi-Chi Wong, because if he's not, if he's either not winning or he's not playing, that means they're either getting a loss from him or he's not playing, and they're playing four freshmen at three through six or a red shirt, right? I mean, they're all basically guys that have never played. Uh, whether they're freshmen or not, and and to play four freshmen or four guys that have never played at three through six, when you're playing the likes of Baylor and none of these freshmen are Jensen Brooksby uh, and and TCU, and they're not, you know, some of the guys they've got either. Uh, it's it's gonna, I mean, it's gonna be tough. I just think it's the, you know, even like we like what well, the tennis we covered this weekend, the margins are so thin at the upper levels here, that it doesn't take much to be a difference maker. And, yeah, by maybe by the end of the season – and we get to see a lot by the end, right? And, but to me, until you get to that point, you don't know. The January commits especially uh, – the January guys are always hard to tell. And they're never going to come out – I mean, you can't say never, but almost never – come out firing on all cylinders right away because these guys that come in in January now the maybe the American kids are a little more accustomed to what college tennis is and they know uh, when you get when you get the foreign kids that come over as January commits they don't have a clue what they're walking into they've never seen college tennis they don't know what the team atmosphere is they don't you know it's everything's different for them heck some of them don't even know how you know they don't know how the scoring works they don't know you know that you got to win four points as a team to win the match. It's everything's different uh, and and it's a, it's just a totally different ball game. So until I see that, uh, to me, there's just more, and yes, you can make the argument that, hey, TCU's got just as many guys coming in. They do, but the guys they had come in, uh, they had you know three guys coming in to where I'll say Texas has got two quality guys uh, coming in that we know are gonna play three, four. TCU could throw 3 of them up there so that's kind of the the minor difference maker uh to me between those two schools. So no, I don't think they're bad and could they be a, could they end up being a top 5 team by the end of the year? I it's possible. Do do I think that's probably going to happen? I think that's probably the that's probably the ceiling uh, uh in, is my take right now based on the other schools that are out there but you know we'll see you know the, the freshmen are just going to have to show have to prove it for, to me before i before i get totally bought in
1: i think that's completely fair and you look at this big 12 tcu i think brings back what four starters as well but they're going to have freshmen nipping at those starters here heels now obviously they lost to alex rybakov but you're right. In in terms of depth, you could argue, you know, one through nine, they have the best roster in the Big 12. I think in terms of one through six, the combination of experience and talent, you know, you throw Brooksby on top of Soto, Boyton, Sven Law. Uh, they've got other contributors and freshmen coming in as well. That's probably the team I like the most, but I, I, having watched Petros and Gojo, and you know Botzer as well, do their thing last year, and Petros and Gojo over the past two years, having Ito and Sisgard at the top of the lineup cannot be—you know, they over. Their importance cannot be understated. It's they're they're really freaking good, and when you have the top, two of the best ten players in the country, that's going to win you a lot of matches now. Doubles is something or they're going to have to figure out, and that they're throwing potentially three to four. You know, Chi Chi Huang will probably play, so we'll say three freshmen into the doubles portion of the match is even scarier to me than the singles, because in singles, talent can just win out. But this is a team that Oh, I mean, it, it's an interesting point, right? You ride the high of coming off of, it's the ceremonial, what's it? the honeymoon season. You just won a national title. Everyone's feeling good. Coach Burke talked about how strong the camaraderie and chemistry is on this team. Uh, it's a carefree team because for Ito and Siscard, you did your job last year, and everything herein is the cherry on top. You're just trying to round off your legacies. For the freshmen, you're trying to live up to the standards of the previous season. So there's a lot of different routes this Texas team uh wh- team, Uh, the way their season could go. I do think of the teams we've talked about, the floor and ceiling, the gap between the two is as big as any in the country. And so before I give my predictions, let's go to you guys. Matt, we'll start with you and then Chris. Where do you see this team not only finishing out in the Big 12, but do you see them as a top eight seed heading into the NCAA tournament? Is this a round of 16, quarterfinals, semifinals team? How far do you see these Longhorns going, Matt?
2: Yeah, no, I, I think it's a top eight seed. I really do. You mentioned Ido Sigsgard, and I'm with you there. I think that carries a lot of weight. Um, there, there will be growing pains in the beginning of the season. There's no doubt about that. But I just, I feel like over the course of the long haul, they're going to have opportunities for wins. And I think towards the end of the season, the freshmen will obviously be playing better and at a higher level than they are at the beginning. Um, so I think they're a top eight seed. I think they can host that super regional. Um, And win that match to get to the quarterfinals. But that's, I mean, I don't see them going any further than that. Um, I don't have them as a final four team. I don't think the depth is there. The experience obviously isn't there outside of the top two. So I just, I cannot say that they're really going to be a final four team. I'm comfortable saying that, you know, they can get to that quarterfinal stage. But um, you know, if we're, if, if anybody's truly thinking about going back to back, this is not the year for that, that will not be happening.
1: Chris, same question to you.
3: Yeah, I, I'm right with Maddie. I mean, I think they're. A, I think to me, they're a five to eight. Uh, I think that's, that's where they, I think that's where they end up. They do, they get to, they probably get to, to host and there's a chance that maybe they don't hold that. I don't think there's a whole lot of, it's going to be pretty tough to be top, top four and be on the on the you know on the advantageous side of, of that match but hey if you make the final eight you know it's it's not as advantageous there because you're all at the same site so i i think they'll you know their goal should be hey let's finish top eight let's get the host host a super regional um with Maddie, i think they, they probably get there they go out they probably go down in that first round uh in stillwater in the in the quarters at, at ncaas i think I think in the end it's just it's going to be the the depth. I mean, look, we're talking just Big 12 alone and you know I love, you know, all things being equal, we can look at the guys, you know, what what do the UTR say? Texas is after their top 4, there's are sub 13 guys. Baylor and TCU are loaded with guys, you know, that are well over 13 down the lineup. Uh I mean, you got a 6 at TCU that's like a 13 3 uh, which is ridiculous, and and that stops at four for, for Texas. So someone, you know, a couple guys got to step up, and, and yeah, no, those, those things aren't – it's not always exactly how it's going to go, right? And some of it's based on who you've played and maybe some of these guys, but they're going to need a couple guys to really step up at the bottom of the lineup to, to make them competitive with those top teams. I mean, that's going to be a real source, a, a real a pain point for them, I think, which we'll see – in this match with Florida, how can how do they do at five and six?
1: I think for this team, to echo both of your points, uh, getting a top eight seed is so important. They do not want to be with four, three or four freshmen in your lineup. You don't want to be the team that has to go on the road in the round of 16. Now, again, Coach Burke... Talked about why he builds the schedule the way he does, and it's because he wants his team to be tested. You're not playing college tennis for fun, you're playing it to be the best you can be. And so, for all of these players, uh, I think we're going to see the best form from these freshmen come the end of the year now. It's a two-fold question, like we saw with Sokos and Gojo. You don't want Ito and Siskard having to do so much of the lifting through the first three months that they're burnt out come May. And that is certainly a concern for Coach Burke, but uh, for his team. You could also see a scenario where hosting a round of 16, they play a senior-laden team like I, you guys are going to get mad that I keep going back to this team. But let's say an Illinois or UCLA comes to town, right? And, you know, four freshmen versus that Illinois team, I think Kova and Ito is as good of a matchup as we'd find next year uh, this year in at the one singles position. I think AB, you know, Siskar probably enters that match as a favorite, but you certainly feel good if you're them. You certainly feel good if you're Illinois. If you have Zeke Clark at three taking on a freshman and Waldeeb in such a high-pressure situation... That youth is inevitably going to be the thing that defines this year's Texas Men's Longhorn. So, you know, again, honeymoon season for Coach Burke. No one's denying that he deserved to have the interim tag removed. He deserves to be the head men's tennis coach for this team's program. Um... But yeah, to expect them again ceiling floor. If the freshmen click, maybe they're threatening for a semifinal final spot off the back of a couple of good freshmen and that how strong their top two is. But I do think it's most likely that we see this team round of sixteen at best quarterfinals. Uh, And to be honest, that would be a very good follow up after you lose the heart of a national championship team. But with that in mind, a couple things to talk about still because it's the end of our college contender series, and it is shocking to say ten. Ten weeks up, ten weeks down. We finally saw a project through to the end here at Crack Racket. So shout out to that. Um, but one question for you guys on the college contenders theme before we get into some regular season results. Is there a team, and we, I'm going to go Matt, you first, then Chris. We talked about 10 teams. Obviously, the rankings to start the year a little bit different than the rankings to end 2019. If there's one team we didn't mention, Matt, who you think could potentially be in the national championship conversation, who is it? And by the way, both of you are allowed to answer no one. We talked about the national championship contenders.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think we talked about most of the, of the real true national championship contenders. I'm okay with that. But the one team that wasn't mentioned, and we've actually touched on it, um, but Texas A&M, you know, this is an SEC team um, that I think behind Florida is probably number two in that conference, in my opinion. I, I think Chris would probably agree with me. Um, I-, I think that's a scary team. You know, they- they've got some good players. They've got some experience, um, well coached squad. I think they're definitely a top ten type team. Now, I don't. I don't want to say that they're a, a you know a true contender to win it all be, because you know we've got the Floridas, we've got the Baylor's, we've got USC, North Carolina. I still think all of those teams. I, I still have them ahead of a team like Texas A But I think this is going to be a, a top ten team pretty much all year. You know, in a major threat in the SEC.
1: Chris, same question to you.
3: Yeah, I mean, I know you're trying to bait me into Illinois. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> you know that. Um, you know.
2: Good, job. good job, Chris.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I do think that it's that I, I'm with Matt there. I think A and M is a super solid team. I mean, those guys are down through uh, down through five. They know exactly what they're doing. Not yep. sure exactly what they're doing at six, but. Um, you know super super talented team that that we just haven't had the chance to to talk through because they weren't one of the one of the top 10 from last year so i think i, I think they could could potentially uh jump up and be a, a sleeper for us yeah
1: i think that's a good one uh i talked about illinois at length already so I won't mention them again here, annoy you guys. I won't mention my U of M Wolverines, who we could talk about all of the time. I will mention a team uh, who we haven't talked about, and I briefly just mentioned there, the UCLA Bruins, who, again, another one of those teams' top three. I mean, Keegan Smith, Govan Nanda... Uh, those two, those, sorry, excuse me, top two, that's as good of a duo as you'll find up top anywhere in the country. And then you add in guys who got a ton of experience last year because of how banged up this roster was. Guys like uh, Patrick Siraj and Matt Soloki and Bryce Pereira. You throw back in the fact that Connor Hans is returning to this lineup. You have a year older Roscoe Bellamy, who was playing some six singles towards the end. A freshman in Drew Baird, one of the top recruits in the country. And then, of course, the only senior on their roster, Ben Goldberg, it's USC's year to win uh, the Pac-12. I think Stanford's pretty good as well, but this UCLA team is no slouch, and it's going to make getting that 7-8. Uh, seed. That much more difficult because there are a bunch of teams right now who you could throw in that range. I'm not sure if UCLA has the upside of national champ. Again, I think there is a world where Keegan Smith, it just clicks for him and he becomes the best player in college tennis. He's got weapons that are that big. Um, but I do think this is a team that can get hot and can certainly upset some teams. Could go to a Texas and off the strength of their top three, off the strength of the the experience they have in their lineup, uh, pull off an up that do something along those lines so that would be the other team I would throw out there uh, but with that in mind uh, pick, there has man. been good
2: pick for thank once, you for once you finally <laughs> uh, pick a solid sleeper team.
1: Every so often, I like to keep you guys on your toes and do something competent so that when I throw in the other junk, it's when I do it again. I love that little tone of surprise there, Maddie. And I should say UCLA, number 11, so just outside our list. The biggest dropper uh, in these rankings, Mississippi State, who goes from 9 to 21. I don't think anyone has any qualms about that one thing we we can talk about, there are results. There have been actual tangible things going on in the college tennis world. Chris mentioned some of those hidden dual matches that, of course, hidden dual, meaning invitationals, teams come to each other's site. It's multiple teams. You're playing multiple matches over the course of a couple of days. Uh, Chris, let's start with you, and then I want to go to Matt. What week one action, anything you've seen thus far, catch your attention in terms of something college tennis fans should be monitoring?
3: Well, I mean, so so the big, the biggest match that we've had actually take place was Tennessee going to Oklahoma. Right, a couple top twenty-five teams. Um, I, I expected Tennessee to get to get a win there. It got really tight, but they did. They did eventually come away uh, with the win. I think those teams are probably somewhere. I think they're like eighteen and twenty-two, somewhere in that range. Maybe I'm not looking at it right now, but. Um, Uh, But Tennessee is, uh, you know, Tennessee is one of those teams that's definitely looking for, uh, you know, to be a a top 16 and try to host that those first two rounds. Uh, And and I think they they showed well, they're they're going to be really solid up top again for them. They got it's it's a a typical kind of who's going to settle in where and and a couple guys have to step up a position or or so this year with Timo Stoddard leaving. So I think that was that was an interesting result. Yeah, we had a bunch of hidden duels, uh, you know, not nothing earth shattering, but it was interesting to see both Texas and Georgia, uh, you know, down there in Miami, uh, and so we got to see along with Miami and Wisconsin, so we got to see t- some some of the guys from Texas and Georgia, Texas and Georgia play, but, uh, but for what's taken place so far, that's about it. There are a couple, obviously, we've got this uh, this. Texas, Florida match today. There are, prior to ITA kickoff, we basically got this weekend and then ITA kickoff the following weekend. So the only other matches that I would say are really of consequence for teams that are top sixteen. And I'll throw that in there based off, you know, current top sixteen just so I can leave out your Michigan Wolverines <laughs> um, because they're seventeen. Actually, that didn't know. So that match is there. They NC state goes to to Michigan. Uh, That's today. Uh, And then we've got two other matches. Not only does Florida get Texas, uh, they get a match that they ought to win, but still a potentially dangerous match against UCF. UCF always has a bunch of really talented international kids. Uh, So that's this weekend. And then the other match this weekend uh, with a couple good teams, TCU and Arizona State. Uh, That's another one I'll be watching for. That's pretty much uh, it that I'm looking at prior to kickoff weekend which is the following weekend
1: i hate to say it matt but i think chris stole our thunder on that one he yeah. hit just about everything let yeah. me then rephrase it to you instead of saying you know what will you be watching you want to give me two seconds uh, i know i interrupted you and chris before the podcast uh, what's this florida texas match gonna look like because i feel like we deserve a first preview of the year in terms of a big match let's talk about it for a hot sec
2: yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting. I really do. Obviously, the match is in Gainesville, so it's a big advantage to Florida. They're just so much deeper, um, and I'll be interested to see the lineups. Again, we're talking about Texas's lineup. I'll be kind of interested to see what uh, Coach Shelton puts out I there. I know. You know. Sorry to cut you. Off.
1: Sorry to cut you off. That's the question. Like, is yeah. England going to play?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, right. We're, we're going to find out very shortly. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Obviously, if, if you're asking me to pick the match, I'm going to go with Florida. I mean, I just think down low, you know, I, I could see a scenario where, Ito and Sigsgard both win, you know, and they still lose that match like 4-2. Um, so I... I
3: well, it's so not going to be 4-2. They'll play it out.
2: Okay, <laughs> yeah. So they'll, they'll play it out. I mean, you know, we'd be looking at, you know, I don't know. 5-2 or so, maybe, I, I don't know, or it could be close. I mean, there's a chance that down low, one of those freshmen for Texas picks up a big win. I don't know, but um, I, I definitely am favoring Florida by a pretty solid margin in this one, I think.
1: I think if we were making the spread, it would be over under one and a half total points for Texas in this dual match. Um, yeah. Uh, at the time of completion.
3: <gasps> now Over under one and a half? Yeah, ah. at
1: the time of completion.
3: Man, you're se- you're selling. Oh well, yeah, compl- you mean clinching? You mean? Yeah, yeah. at
1: the time of clinching. Excuse oh,
3: okay, me. okay.
1: Yeah, and so that that's why it will be a good match. I agree with you. You could argue Florida's lineup questions are even bigger than the one Texas's have. It's not like their doubles point was particularly strong last year, and so they'll have the chance to bring back uh, as much talent as they, did. they can switch up their doubles teams. Uh, they lose Kessler and Perez, but still, are they going to go Crawford at one, Riffus at one? Is Volley going to play three? What about Andrade, well, and which of the freshmen are they going to play? I want to
3: see from the doubles. I want to see— are we actually going to see Ig- Ito and Sigsgard and Crawford and Riffis at one playing each other in doubles and singles? I mean, I think it's highly likely. I think we should yeah. see Crawford and Riffis playing one dubs, and we will see Ito and Sigsgard playing one dubs, and then obviously both of those, you know, those guys. Ito is going to be one, Sigsgard two. I suspect Crawford one, Riffis two. Uh, it's definitely those two guys, and you know, it's the, only the order, but yeah, the bigger questions for me are, are down, da- like you said, are down low. Uh, in the hidden duel, you know, in the matches they played and what they did play, right? They they were hidden duels as well, so they don't necessarily call positions out, but they're listed kind of in position order. And they played Ingalls down at what would effectively be like a seven spot. I, I think they are playing with their eye on what's the best team going to be in May. And there is zero scenario that exists where a healthy Ingoldson is not in the top six in May. So for that reason alone, he's got to play tomorrow. Now where it's interesting. I, I do think we see, I think we see Valle three. I think we see Andrade four. And then the question is five, six, Uh, is it, Ingleton, Greif, Greif, Ingleton. Does Does Goodyear or Bicknell happen to find their way in? I think, I still think it's going to be Greif and Ingleton uh, in one order or another. But yeah, more questions really there than there even are for me on on the Texas side.
1: Yeah, it's again why we're so thrilled. To just have college tennis back, it's going to be nice to break down results similar to how it's nice to talk about ATP and WTA events once again on this mini break podcast. And of course, if you've missed any of our college contenders, you know, from number 10 to number one, we've hit all the teams now. We've talked to all of the head coaches. You can find all of that content, Matt's articles as well on our website, CrackedRackets.com. It's the Cracked Interviews podcast for those coaching interviews, mini break podcast for me, Matt and Chris, breaking down all of these teams and what we think you know, it's been the same six questions all week long, So, or all project long, so you know what to expect from those podcasts. Uh, it's been really fun doing these College Contenders series, guys, and I have to say, I say we do this once a week, right? We just break down the week's action, preview what's ahead. We can maybe give Jamie and Matt back Wednesdays because I feel like we've sort of commandeered that from uh, them, Chris, but sound good to you guys? We'll keep doing this once a week.
3: Sounds great to me, man.
2: I'm in, man. I'm in. The fun's just beginning. You know, duels okay. are just starting. So um, we're, we'll, ha- we'll have a lot to talk about over the next few months for sure.
1: And if you're not, it's impossible to follow all of these college tennis matches. So if you're not following Chris already at college tennis ranks at Matt underscore stack at Cracked Rackets uh, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube to follow all the day by day action quiz. Chris's website, excuse me, uh, college tennis ranks.com is the place for a lot of those things as well. So again, it's college tennis season. We are amped for that at cracked rackets. Have to give a huge shout out to our super producers, Max Flickner and Daniel Westoff who've done a f- of a job editing each and every one of these college contenders, all three parts ready for you. Listeners 10 up, 10 down can't emphasize enough how great it was and how th- appreciative we are to all of those 10 coaches uh, for giving us the time Entertaining our questions. Matt, Chris, I swear to God, by the way, we are about two seconds we are either going to see substitutions be legal in college tennis, or we are going to see the coin toss disappear by the start of the twenty twenty one season. We <laughs> did our job. Like I, I'm so confident.
3: Alright, All right. so so I wasn't un, I was unable to join Gruskin today for the Bruce Burke. So did he didn't call you crazy on either one of those? So he
1: said If it's assistant coaches, then fine. He said, I'm not playing. He's like, let's do rock, paper, scissors. He (laughs) liked the substitution idea. He was like, ooh. He's like, now we're talking. He's like, Alex, that's a pretty good one. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Again, it's just been a blast. So shout out to everyone who's helped make these things possible. Shout out to our friends at Aerobar, our sponsor, the newest tennis-specific energy bar, more potassium than a banana. It's not going to melt in your bag. It tastes... Damn good. If I do say so myself and Chris, you can attest to this. We were in the booth powered by AeroBar this weekend. It got us to get it got us the job done, right?
3: Oh, some chocolate and bananas what I was chewing on uh, up in Ann Arbor. That, that was good stuff.
1: And Chris literally goes, "Banana?" I'm in. And then of course, you know, three hours later, he goes, Alex, you got to turn off your mic and I'm not going to even replicate the sound he was creating. Um, but I think that was more buddies related than Aerobar. Uh, but we'll save that story for another time. But seriously, the Aerobars Bars are that good. We're so grateful to our friends at Aerobar, and for you listeners who are intrigued, check out their website. If you want to order some 30% off your first order by using our promo code crack30, cracked 30, that's C-R-A-C-K-E-D three zero. But with that in mind, this college contender series in the book So when we come back next week We'll figure out a new name What we're going to call this year's college tennis coverage We are thrilled for that season to begin And again, if you've missed any of it Go check out our website, Cracked Rackets But for my wonderful co-hosts Matt Koek and Chris Halliouris, For our super producers, Max Flinger and Daniel Westhoff And from our entire teams At both the Tennis Channel Podcast Network And Cracked Rackets I'm your host, Alex Gruskin Guys, what do we tell our listeners? That's the Thanks, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow.